You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. about David. David's getting older and he's out there with his walker and he's still fighting. You caught that, didn't you? Yeah. He's out there and he's still fighting. He's still going against these guys. You know, some people say the Christian walk gets easier. Baloney. If you're not sure, if you continue to follow the Lord, battles will continue to come regardless of your age. Battles will always be around the corner, but we, we continue to fight. We must fight the good fight like a good soldier. Have you ever heard a fellow believer suggest that the Christian life gets easier with time? While it's a nice sentiment, many of us would agree that nothing could be further from the truth. As Pastor Dave will teach you in his message today, our fight is one that we endure as believers up until the very day of glorification. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 21, as he continues his message, The Life of David, Soldier, Singer, Sinner. Normally, people estimate greatness by how many people serve and honor them. The more servants you had, the greater you must be. Jesus reminded his followers that in his kingdom, it's different, and that we should estimate greatness by how we serve and honor others. That's what greatness is measured by in God's kingdom. In God's community, status, money, popularity are never prerequisites for leadership. Humble service is the greatest prerequisite. Our model, our example, is Jesus Christ. So David's coming to them as a servant. He takes a lower seat and asking the Gibeonites, what can we do for you? What can I do for you? They do have a price. They want seven of Saul's relatives given to them so they can hang them. The household of Saul was now being judged for Saul's sin. This shows just how deep sin goes. Sin goes extremely deep. David agrees and immediately wants to make restitution. Now, human sacrifices were against God's word. Human sacrifices were against God's word, and David knew this, but God told David that the drought was because of Saul's sin, and in order to make restitution, David must now follow God and commit to the Gibeonites' request. But we must keep it in context, folks. This is Old Testament, under the law. Under New Testament, we're under grace. And also, under the Old Testament, we're dealing with the nation Israel, not the church. The law of Moses required that an unsolved murder be atoned by the sacrifice in Deuteronomy 21, 1-9. David's following that, and he's following the Lord. Look at 7-9. But the king spared Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, because of the Lord's oath that was between them, between David and Jonathan, the son of Saul. So the king took Armoni and Mephibosheth, 
the two sons of Rizpah, the daughter of Aah, whom she bore to Saul, and, to fi- and the five sons of Michal, the daughter of Saul, whom she brought up for Adriel, the son of Basrilai, and delivered them into the hands of the Gibeonites, and they hanged them on a hill before the Lord. So they fell all seven together and were put to death in the days of the harvest, in the first days, in the beginning of the barley harvest. David doesn't commit the crime here, but he has to choose seven men to be put to death. Not a very pleasurable position that David was in, but it was what the Lord required of him. Sometimes the Lord requires us to do hard things. Sometimes the Lord chooses us and asks us to make hard decisions, especially when you're in some sort of leadership. You must make hard decisions. The Lord has a way of running his church, and which we all must submit to, and sometimes we even must discipline. And it's a hard task. It's a very difficult task. But it must be done in love. But we must follow the Lord when, we do, when he does that, because if done correctly, if discipline is done correctly, it leads to restoration. It leads to restoration to God if it's done correctly. If it's done incorrectly, it leads to division and callousness and poor feelings. I wonder when David was doing this if he had flashbacks to those who died because of his sin. I wonder if he had flashbacks about the new baby that was born to Bathsheba, or Uriah, her husband, or how about Ammon, his son, or how about Absalom, his favorite son, or how about Amasa, the general that was killed by Joab. I wonder if David thought about that as he had to choose these men to die. Hard choice. God makes us have hard choices sometimes. God gives us harsh choices. It was at the time of the harvest. It was at the time of the harvest, in the first days of the beginning of the harvest, the barley harvest. I didn't study that real hard, but there's probably something there. Probably something there about the barley harvest. Something that means I didn't study it. But he spared Mephibosheth, Jonathan's son. Why? Because he made a vow. He made a vow to Jonathan before the Lord. They made a covenant, and he spared Mephibosheth. Instead, he chose two sons of Saul's concubine, Rispa, and five sons of Saul's daughter. Now here it says Michael, Michelle, Michal. But if you look down at the note, or Merab, M-E-R-A-B. Why would it be Merab and not Michal? Why, why would it be, why, why do you think it, down here it would be Merab instead of Michal? Can anybody tell me that? You guys are really disappointing me. We went through this. No, that was a good guess, but no, that's not correct. You're thinking of the waters of Meribah. That, that, that is a very bitter water. That's a good guess. No. Remember when David danced before the ark and Michal, and he came back and said some things to her and put her away and cursed her and she became barren. She was never allowed to have children. Remember that? That's why it has to be Merib. Merib. That's why it has to be that. She was barren until their death. 
Remember, she was supposed to be given, Merab was supposed to be given to David for killing Goliath. She was the first daughter. But Saul reneged on that and said, gave him Michal. Come on, guys. There's going to be a quiz on all this stuff, so you guys have to have the notes here. So. In verse 10, it says, Now Rizbah, the daughter of Ea, took sackcloth and spread it for herself on the rock. From the beginning of the harvest until late rains poured on them from heaven, and she did not allow the birds of the air to rest on them by day, nor the beasts of the field by night. And David was told what Rizbah, the daughter of Ea, the concubine of Saul, had done. Then David went and took the bones of Saul, the bones of Jonathan, his son, from the men of Jabesh-Gilead, who had stolen them from the street of Bet-Shean, where the Philistines had hung them up after the Philistines had struck down Saul in Galboa. So he brought up the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan, his son, from there, and they gathered the bones of those who would be hanged, and they buried the bones of Saul and Jonathan, his son, in the country of Benjamin and Zelah, in the tomb of Kish his father, so they performed all that the king commanded, and after that, God heeded the prayer for the land. So, David, the bodies are supposed to be taken down by sundown according to law. David doesn't do that. He lets them hang there, wanting to appease God. He lets them hang there for a long, long time to making sure that it was sufficient. And here's this beautiful woman kind of feel bad. This beautiful woman goes out and covers the bodies of her sons so that the birds don't get them and the animals don't get there. She must have sat there for a long time. We really don't know how long she sat there until the rains came. But that's a kind of a sad picture. Kind of very sad. She was an act of courage and it was a beautiful, wonderful act of love by this lady staying with the bodies. David shows grace upon the family once again. Shows grace upon the family once again by gathering up all the bones. Gathering up all the bones. And I love the fact, I got to mention it, you'll probably get tired of me hearing saying this, but I, get, I love the fact that he gathered them from the, the street of Beth Shireen. We were there. We walked the streets of Beth Shireen. We saw the tree from where David, from where Jonathan and Saul were hanged. We saw that. We, we looked at that. But he gathers the bodies. He gathers the bones up together. And he does them justice by burying them all in the family tomb, which was the biggest dream of any Israelite, that all the family would be buried together. So he kind of honors Saul, honors the sons, honors the family, and they bury them all together. We can glean from this event that one man's sin can bring both sorrow and death to the whole family, even after he's dead and buried. Why it's different? I don't know. God ordered it. David's following God's command. He inquired of the Lord, and he said, it's because the bloodthirsty thing that Saul did. I don't understand it. I don't know. There it is. David had to deal drastically with the remains of Saul's sin for the sake of the nation, but he also showed kindness once again, to Saul's house. The famine ends when it says, the Lord heeded the prayers of the nation. And one commentator said these beautiful words, 
Quote, with them he buried the bodies of those that were hanged for when God's anger was turned away, they were no longer to be looked upon as a curse. When water dropped upon them out of heaven, when God sent rain to the water of the earth, which perhaps was not many days after they were hung up, then they were taken down, for then it appeared that God was entreated for the land. When justice is done on earth, vengeance from heaven ceases. I like that. And then the writer equates it to Jesus Christ. Listen, quote, Through Christ, who was hanged on a tree and made a curse for us, an atonement for our sin, though he himself was guiltless, God was pacified and is entreated for us. And it is said in Acts 13.29 that when they had fulfilled all that was written of him in token of the completeness of the sacrifice and of God's acceptance of it, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulcher, unquote. Think about it. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, on the tree, was a curse for us. He took our curse upon himself. A curse that is everyone who hangs on a tree. He took everything upon himself. And that act pacified God. Satisfied God's vengeance towards us. If Christ had not died on the cross, if Christ had not chosen to hang there and bleed and die, then every one of us would have been subject to God's wrath. Every one of us. Think about it. When Christ said, it is finished, he meant that the sacrifice was complete and that God had accepted the sacrifice. God had accepted him as sacrifice. And that is powerful, folks. That's powerful, which means we no longer are enemies of God. We are no longer his enemies. Therefore, his vengeance is not towards us, which is another reason why we can expect a rapture at any time because we're not going to be subject to the wrath of God because of what Jesus did on the cross. It's a great correlation there. It's a pretty cool correlation there. As we finish out this chapter, in verses 15 through 22, I'm going to read through there, and then we'll talk a little bit about it, and we'll finish up today's study. When the Philistines were at war again with Israel, won't they ever go away? David and his servants with him went down and fought against the Philistines, and David grew faint. Then Ishbi Benab, how would you like to have that name? Ishbi Benab, I was going to call him Ishkabibble, but I didn't. Ishbi Benab, who was one of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose bronze spear was 300 shekels, who was bearing a new sword, thought he could kill David. But Abishai, yeah, the son of Zariah, came to his aid and struck the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swore to him, saying, You shall not go out no more with us to battle, lest you quench the lamp of Israel. Now it happened after that that there was again a battle with the Philistines at Gob. And then Shibichai the Hushanite killed Saph, who was one of the sons of the giant. Again there was a war at Gob with the Philistines where Elahana, the son of Jari Ogrim, the Bethlehemite, killed the brother of Goliath, the Gittite, and the shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. Yet again there was a war at Gath, 
where there was a man, a great stature, who had six fingers on each hand, six toes on each foot, 24 in number, and he also was born a giant. So when he defiled Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shema, David's brother, killed him. These four were born to the giant in Gath and fell by the hand of David, by the hand of his servants. So David, the mighty warrior, and his mighty men. Four conflicts with the Philistines. Now, some people think this happened earlier in David's life. However, I'm not so sure simply because of this. It says, and David grew faint, and then they didn't want him to go out anymore and fight. By this time, David's getting pretty old. He's getting up there in years, so it makes more sense that they were doing this because he was getting there up there in years. Now, this guy who had the sword of, where is it, of 300 shekels, it's a sword weighing over 30 pounds. Give me a break. Weighed over 30 pounds, and this guy is swinging a sword that weighed over 30 pounds. I probably couldn't even pick the darn thing up. It's a monstrous sword. Can you imagine swinging this sword for any length of time? This guy must have been a massive. But I love the fact about David. David's getting older, and he's out there with his walker, and he's still fighting. You caught that, didn't you? Yeah. He's out there, and he's still fighting. He's still going against these guys. You know, some people say the Christian walk gets easier. Baloney, if you're not sure. If you continue to follow the Lord, battles will continue to come regardless of your age. Battles will always be around the corner, but we, we continue to fight. We must fight the good fight like a good soldier. And I love verse 17b. They called David the lamp of Israel. They called David the lamp of Israel. If you get killed, we'll be in trouble. You are the lamp of Israel. Look at it, it says, you shall not go out no more to battle with us lest you quench the lamp of Israel. The view of David's followers, he was the lamp. In Hebrew, it's Nair. N-A-E-R, or he was the glory of the nation, and the continuance of his life and reign was essential to the welfare of the nation. This is what they thought, and this is a great testimony of, of, of his personal character, his faithfulness, and his prosperous rule. When he was ruling and following the Lord, Israel did great. They did wonderful things, and remember, way back when he first started ruling, his name was known all over the world. People knew of King David. People knew of his rule. But I love the fact that he was the lamp. He was the light. Well, Jesus said somebody else was a light. Who did Jesus call a light? John the Baptist. Jesus called John the Baptist a light in John 5, 35. And then John the Baptist speaks that Jesus said, I am the light that comes into the world. Jesus says, I'm the light that comes into the world. He says that in John 8, 12. And then when Jesus is speaking to the disciples on the Mount of uh, Beatitudes, when he's on the Sermon on the Mount, what does he say to them? You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. So he's transferred his light onto the disciples, onto us. Because in Matthew 5, 16, what does it say? Let your light so shine that men might see your good works and give you a pat on the back. No, that's not what it says. It says, let your light so shine that men might see your good works and glorify the Father in heaven. God gets the glory. God gets the glory for everything that we do when we shine our light. When we shine the love of Jesus Christ into the hearts of others, 
God gets the glory. I don't want glory for myself. I want glory for God. I'm building up treasure in the, in, for the Lord. My treasure all belongs to him. I want him to have the glory. You know, it, it, without him, I'm nothing. Apart from him, I can do nothing, Scripture says. We're going to get to that in John 15, 5. So he gets the glory for anything I might do, and I want to shine my light into the world so that people will look at me and go, gee, look at what you're doing. Why are you doing it? I can tell them about a beautiful, wonderful Savior who loved the world so much that he went to a cross for, and that he died for them, for me, for the entire world, and that by believing in him, you can have everlasting life, have a free life, and be sin-forgiven, and you become a child of God. And that's what he's talking about here. It's not to glorify myself. It's not to glorify myself. Is it? And it's not for anyone to glorify me. Isn't that person wonderful? Isn't they do? Aren't they good? Da, 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 da. No. God. It's all about God. I learned a long time ago in my Christian walk that it's no longer about me. It's not about me. It's about Christ. It's about Christ crucified. about Christ risen. And it's Him that gets the glory. But there's something in our flesh that wants to be noticed. We want to be recognized. Oh. No. Let your light so shine that when men see your good works, they glorify God in heaven, the Father. Jesus is going to tell them when we go through the, and we go through the Gospels. He's going to tell the multitudes who come and they touch him. The people who he hears, who he heals, what does he say to him? Go glorify God. Go show yourself to the, to the Pharisees and glorify God because it was God that healed you. It was God that touched you. Even Jesus is giving glory to the Father. And that's what we're doing. That's why we're here. I believe that that's why we're here. And I believe that, that if, it were, if it wasn't true, I believe the Lord would have taken us home by now. I believe the Lord would have taken us home. We're the light of the world. and We let our life shine before men. We don't want their praise. We don't want their glory, but we would rather have them give glory and praise to the Father. So as we conclude this wonderful book, we're going to go through three more chapters. And as I said, once we get to chapter 22, it reads like a psalm. In fact, a lot of it can be found in Psalm 18. It reads like a beautiful and glorious psalm and there was one verse that stuck out with me when I read through this. I underlined it, and I started to write about it. i got to share it with you. It's in, it's in 2 Samuel 22, verse 20b. It says, well, I'll read the whole, I'll read the 20. He also brought me, he's talking, David's talking about God now. He also brought me out into a broad place. And listen to this. He delivered me because he delighted in me. Oh. Chew on that verse. Jesus died for you because he delighted in you. Think of that. I love that. I love that. That can get me through some dark nights, man. He delighted in me because he delivered me because he delighted in me. Isn't that cool? Isn't that neat? What a great verse. Yeah, thank you, Lord. God delights at us. You are sure. 
Our time with you is running short for today's edition of A Sure Hope. Pastor Dave Shank will continue this journey through 2 Samuel when you join us next time. But for now, you can listen to this teaching and others from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. We encourage you to download these messages so they are available wherever you are. We know how busy life can get, but there's always time to pause, even if only for a few minutes. Those short breaks could be filled with the study of Scripture, getting to know God better through His own Word. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for A Sure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you join us for a time of worship and Bible study. Calvary Chapel Cape May meets weekly on Sundays at 10 a.m. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Or just visit assurehoperadio.com. If you're not able to join us in person, we are streaming our services on Facebook Live. Just follow the link you'll find at AssureHopeRadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message on Assure Hope. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you discover God doing great things in your life. Pastor Dave will be back soon for another edition of Assure Hope.